Tom Cochran first sang about it back in the 1990s. Then a couple of years ago, Rascal Flats sang about it. They told us that life is what? A highway. I don't know about all of that song, but that verse or that, that line is true. Life really is a highway. Life is a road. It's a journey. We're all on a road that's leading us somewhere, that's taking us someplace. And there's one thing that's for sure. Life is a highway that eventually ends. And almost everybody hopes that, that their highway ends in heaven. But we've already seen that there's a roadblock in this, in this road. There's a roadblock on this highway called sin. And unless we find a way around that roadblock, unless we find a way to get past that, we will never make it to our final destination. Last week I shared with you that I really don't like to drive. And so on Thursday, guess what I did? Got back in the van and drove. Went down to, to Knox County. I uh, had a cousin getting married down there. He asked me to do the wedding. and Went down there. It's new territory for me. I'd never been in that part of the state. But we, were, uh, we, we went down to Indianapolis and went out of Indianapolis West on I-70. And I experienced uh, my worst nightmare. A traffic standstill. Nothing moving. I don't know if you're familiar with that stretch of highway, but it's one lane in both directions for miles. And nothing's moving. Nothing in front of you but chrome and concrete. I mean, everybody at a dead stop. And um, it took us three hours to get where we were going. Funny thing, though, on the way back, I said, I'm not going I-70. I don't want to get in that mess again. And so I asked somebody that lives down there. I said, give me another direction. Tell me another way to go. And, and so they gave me some directions. And uh, it only took five hours to get home. So three hours down there, five hours back. I didn't figure that out. But we've all hit those classic roadblocks. You know, when you've, you've got a destination, you want to get to it, you want to move, and there's no exit in sight. And so what do we do? We only have one hope, really, or at least we think we do, and that's to find a detour. That's to find some way around that roadblock, some way to get to that destination. But let me tell you, detours can be tricky, especially if you take a detour that's in an area where you don't, you don't know anything about the roads or, or where they go. I mean, even with GPS, I lost count of the number of times I made the wrong turn. I turned too early or I, or I drove past where I was supposed to turn. And, you know, and then you get the recalculating and you have to turn around and, 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 and come back. Detours can be tricky. And if we're not careful, we can be worse off than we were before we were stuck in the traffic. When we face the roadblock called sin, there are some detours that, that seem appealing to us. They, they, they seem to make sense to us. Um, they seem like logical ways to get around the roadblock. One of them is that detour called religion. We think if we take the detour called religion, we can get around the roadblock. Other times, we, that detour is called good works, you know, doing good things. Sometimes that detour is called giving your best or trying harder, striving. Man, Christians just love to strive, don't they? I'm just striving. They always tell you they're striving. Sometimes it can be called doing good things. But no matter what you call it, it all amounts to the same thing. It all amounts to trying to work our way around that roadblock, trying to, trying to find our way on our own around that roadblock. And there's an enormous problem with taking a detour like that to try to get around this roadblock of sin. The Bible says it leads to death. 
it leads to death. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, the verse will be up on the screen as, as we go this morning. Romans 6, we, we're continuing our message series called Getting There, how to get from where we are to where we want to be. And I told you last week, this is just Gospel 101. This is the, the ABCs and 123s of, of the gospel, the basic gospel message of understanding the truth about our predicament and the remedy for it. And it's also the, the basic message that we need to know for ourselves, obviously, but so we can share it with others. Last week, we, we talked about the, the fact that, that part of the, the life mission of every follower of Christ is to share our faith, to share our story in Christ. It's through sharing our story with other people that, that they are led to love God. And so my goal with this is, is twofold. First of all, I always want to tell the gospel truth when I stand up here in front of you. Because I don't know. I don't know whose heart hasn't been touched. I don't know who hasn't responded to the gospel. I, can't, I don't want to assume anything. And so I want to present the gospel plainly, clearly, so that, so that it can be understood and so that the Holy Spirit can, can use the Word and, and activate it in our hearts so that we take action on what we hear. But there's a second goal that I have as well. That's to put a tool in our toolbox. That's to put a tool in our hands so that we can use this simple concept of life as a road, life as a journey, to help us share our story. Because here's the, here's, here's the, the issue. God wants the road of our life to lead us to heaven. But there's this roadblock called sin. And if that roadblock is not navigated somehow, not navigated in the right way, let's say it like that, then a relationship with God is impossible. We can take all those other detours. But the truth is, if we don't navigate the roadblock of sin the way it's supposed to be navigated, a relationship with Him is impossible. So many people are tempted to think that the way around that roadblock is their self-effort, being religious, doing good things. And that's why this part of the story we want to talk about today is, is being able to share with them, show them not only why that's impossible, why we can't work our way around that roadblock, not on our own, but it's completely unnecessary. Let's look at this verse of Scripture. Just one verse of Scripture again this morning. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There are three important things this verse shows us, three important things that we need to know. And if you're taking notes, here's the first one. We need to know this. Salvation is not a goal that we can achieve. Salvation is not a goal that we can achieve. See, there's a, there, there's a problem with that roadblock called sin. It's a problem that carries with it a penalty. Sin carries a price tag. In fact, sin in our lives earns us something. Listen to the verse again. The wages of sin is death. Now, if you need any proof that we are all sinners, uh, just take a look around and make note of the fact that nearly 100% of the people who are ever born eventually die. It's pretty close to 100%, I'm sure. We all die. We all die. And the picture that Paul is painting here is that of, of a paycheck. When he uses the word wage, when he says wages, he, that was the word that, that was used to describe the daily ration of food that was given to a Roman soldier as his pay. 
At the end of every day of, of soldiering, I don't know what all they did. I mean, obviously they fought when there were battles, but from day to day they were just kind of like a police force, a security force, you know, kept order. Um, at the end of every day they were given a, some food and they were given a, a, a handful of salt. And that was their pay. That was their pay for the work that they had done. And interestingly enough, we get our word salary from that ration of salt that they were given each, each day. That's where our word comes from. So wages, we understand wages if we've ever had a job. That's something that we earn, something we deserve because of something that we've done. Now, because we're all sinners and because sin pays off in death, it, it, that means that no matter how good we try to be, how good we do in this life, how many churches we attend, how religious we try to be, we're all going to end up at the same place, earning, deserving death. That's the end point. And death in the Bible is more than just the cessation of life. It's not just that the heart stops beating and we stop breathing. Death in that day referred to separation. It's still a kind of a common concept in that Middle Eastern culture today. You will hear perhaps there will be um, some argument or some disagreement between a father and a son. Perhaps the son doesn't fulfill an obligation, doesn't do something they're, they're, that the father wants them to do, or does something the father has forbidden. And the father will say, you are now dead to me. That means we're separated. We're not related anymore. As far as I'm concerned, you're no longer my son. You're cut off. You're separated from me. Death refers to separation. Now, last week, I kind of laid it all at the feet of Adam and Eve. That's where we have to go. I mean, they were the ones that kind of got the ball rolling, got us into this mess. God told them they could eat from any tree in the garden except one. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being told, all of these trees over here, everything that's produced by these trees and these bushes, these plants, you can eat that. But this tree, just this one tree right here, you can't eat from that one. And Adam and Eve were no different than you and I. With all of this at their disposal and all of this that they could eat and enjoy, this is what they did. Well, I, this is good, but why can't we eat from that one? I mean, this is great. God, thank you for all of this, but I want that one. And the only reason they wanted it was because God said, can't have it. We know what happens, don't we? We know, we know how the story ends that, on that one. God told them, the day you eat of that tree, the day you eat of that tree, you will what? Not just die, surely die. You will surely die the day you eat of that tree. Well, they ate from that tree, but they didn't die. Adam lived 900 more years. Now, did God make a mistake? Did God lie? Even one of those parent lies? You know, your face will stick like that if you don't stop. Or uh, my cousins and I this, this weekend were talking about this one. Um, that you have to wait how long before, after you eat before you go swimming? Somebody, two hours? Well, your parents were strict. At least an hour though, right? An hour. Uh, one of my cousins just maintained, no, if you go swimming 59 minutes after you've eaten, you will sink to the bottom and drown, just like that. No, God didn't make a mistake. He didn't tell a lie, not even one of those for our own good lies. 
The truth is that when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, they did die that day. Not physically. Their physical bodies didn't die. Their hearts didn't stop. They didn't stop breathing. They died spiritually. They were separated from God. Their soul was separated from God. Cut off. Folks love to get flowers. Women especially. Men, I have found, if you don't know this by now, and you're my age, probably no hope for you. So for you younger men, women love flowers. They love to get flowers. Okay? Yes, amen. I heard that. Yes, thank you. I see that hand. Um, yeah, they love to get flowers. But here's the thing. The second that you cut flowers from the stem, they're already dead. We can put them in water. We can put them in a vase. We can put an aspirin in there or put that little packet that comes with them in there. And, and they'll look good for a little while. But you know what's going to happen in just a few days, really? They're going to wither and they're going to die. And those beautiful flowers that we were so happy to get, we're going to do what with them? We're going to throw them away because they're dead. The soul cut off from God withers and dies. Every person in this world is born alive physically, but already spiritually dead because of sin. Remember, Adam and Eve passed their sin to their offspring and their offspring and their offspring, and eventually it came down to us. And I, I am a sinful person because I was born to sinful people who were born to sinful people. And if you go back that direction far enough, you're going to get back to Adam and Eve. We were all born physically alive, but spiritually dead. Folks, that's the only way to explain how sweet, precious little babies can grow up to be Murderers and adulterers and blasphemers and lay their head down on the pillow without a single bit of guilt. Because sin brings spiritual death. Sin has separated us from the life source. It also brings physical death. That's how death came into the world. I mean, there's every indication in the Scripture that had Adam and Eve not sinned, they would still be alive today. Sin brought death to them, brought physical death to their bodies. Our birth certificate is our death certificate. One day our soul will be separated from our body. And if we die, if we die without our sin problem being taken care of, then it leads not to spiritual death that's already occurred, not to physical death that's going to happen to all of our bodies. It leads to eternal death where the Spirit is separated from God forever. And let's make sure we know this. There is no remedy for eternal death. Spiritual death can be reversed by a personal relationship with God, by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Physical death will one day be reversed for us. We will be resurrected. But there is no reversal. There is no remedy for eternal death. That's why the detours of religion and good works, trying to keep the commandments. I had a conversation a few days ago with a, with a guy, he's not a believer. And he said, well, he, he allowed that he was just as good as some of the people in, in, in the church. And well, that, that's probably true, but the reason he said that was so was because he kept the Ten Commandments. 
Now, you know, I, I, I don't carry a lot of cash because I have kids. I haven't seen a $20 bill since 1992. But I happened to have a $5 bill that somehow had stayed in my wallet. And I took that $5 bill out and I said, Brother, I'll give you this $5 bill if you can name six of those Ten Commandments. He said, well, I know it says in there, don't murder. I'm like, well, okay, good. You got that one. I'm pretty sure you're not, you know, you're good on that one. Well, it also says in there, don't lie. And I just picked my $5 up and put it back in my pocket. I said, how in the world can you say you're living by them? You don't even know what they are. And that those are the things that we try to do. And that's a detour that can never get around the roadblock of sin. That's a detour that can only lead to death. So when we share our story, we've got to share with folks that, that we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We all have the same problem. The wages of, of sin is death. And we can't work our way out of it and can't work our way around it because salvation is not a goal we can achieve. And that's true because salvation is a gift we receive. Salvation is a gift we receive. The next part of Romans 6.23 says, But the free gift of God is eternal life. If sin brings eternal death, then the only counter to that, the only antidote to death must be life. And if sin brings eternal death, uh, sin undealt with, that roadblock unnavigated leads to eternal death, then the only remedy must be eternal life. The two key concepts in the first part of the verse is wages and death. And in the second part of the verse, the key concepts are gift and eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. We love to get gifts, don't we? Well, here's the truth. Get your head around this. We don't become part of God's family by doing anything. We can't get around that roadblock of sin by taking our own detour. But that doesn't stop us from trying to. You know, if, if that Astro van had off-road capability, I would have made my own way to Vincennes, Indiana. I'd have gotten off I-70 and gone overland. But it doesn't. But the thought crossed my mind, I've got to tell you, and that's what we do. We decide we'll make our own way. We'll make our own path. We'll create our own detour. But eventually we will crash and burn because every human effort, every human detour leads nowhere else but death. And so the good news is that eternal life is not a goal we achieve. It's a gift we receive. You know, there couldn't possibly be a greater difference between any two things than between a wage and a gift. I mean, can you imagine on payday where you work, the boss coming up and handing you your, your envelope, and you go, well, what's this? I, I, wasn't, I didn't get you any. Well, what is it? What's in there? And you tear it open. Oh, my God. No, I love it. Thank you so much. I always wanted one of these. He would think you were crazy. Your boss would think you were crazy for good reason, because wages are not a gift. We've earned them. We deserve them. They're ours. Sin pays wages. The wages of sin is death. That's exactly what we deserve. But God gives us a gift, a free gift, eternal life, a gift we cannot earn and can never deserve. Can't put it any more simply than that. If we think that we can somehow earn something from God, 
That, that we can deserve something from Him. That we can behave good enough or, or think good enough or, 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 or convince Him that we're deserving of something. God will give us exactly what we deserve. And what we deserve is eternal separation from Him. That's the wages we earn for trying to live a good life that can never pay for sin to begin with. But if we want what we don't deserve, eternal life, God will give that to us, but only as a free gift. Only as a gift. There's one more thing to add about eternal life, or what we call salvation. It's not a goal we can achieve. It's a gift we receive. And salvation is grace we believe. If you look at Romans 6.23 carefully, it becomes obvious that there's a pattern, there's a repeating pattern, there's a, a series of things that are contrasted with something else. You know, on the one hand, there are wages. On the other hand, there's a gift. On the one hand, there's sin. On the other hand, there's God. On the one hand, there's death. On the other hand, there's eternal life. And then Paul adds a phrase in there. He, he, throws, a, he throws a phrase in there, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, why did Paul throw that in here? Because we need to understand that salvation, eternal life, is a free gift of God. But we've also got to know this. No gift is ever free. Somebody paid for it. And I'm not talking about re-gifting. Okay? That particular form of low life known as a re-gifter. We'll talk about you at Christmas time. And don't, don't be offended. You've got plenty of time to repent between now and Christmas. Um, somebody had to pay for it. We're so funny. Um, we'll see an advertisement on TV or in the newspaper. Buy three tires, get the fourth one free. And we think, well, how nice of them. They're going to give us tire number four. But we really know that the price of tire number four is where? In those first three. Or, the, the, or the, the, the car dealer. And we all know how honest and upstanding they are, right? We actually do have an honest used car man in our church, Rich Wilkson. I recommend, highly recommend him to anybody. And uh, uh, he, uh, he wouldn't do this, but I heard a commercial the other day that said, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. And we think, well, how nice. No. <laughs> They might pay off our trade, but we're going to pay for it too. Now, this, the gift is never free. Somebody somewhere has paid for it. Whether it's our birthday, anniversary, Christmas, or just because somebody thinks we're you know, a cool dude. When we get a gift, somebody has paid. And that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus paid for the gift. Jesus bought the gift. That's the kicker, that our gift, our free gift came through Him. He bought it. He paid for our free gift of eternal life with His death. The Bible makes it plain. Sin killed Jesus just like sin kills us. The only problem with that is that He didn't sin. He never sinned. So where did that sin come from, that sin that killed Him? Where did it come from? It came from you and me. It came from us. 
Jesus didn't die for his sins. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. When we die, we get what we deserve. We get what we have coming to us. But when Jesus died, he didn't get what he deserved. He didn't get what he had coming to him. He took what he didn't deserve. He died. He experienced separation from God in that moment when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did it all so that we could receive what we do not deserve. The gift of eternal life. And so that we would never have to be separated from God ever again. Now there's two things that we can do with this gift. The first thing that we do is we accept it and receive it. That's what you do when you get a gift, right? I mean, if we have to jump through hoops, if we have to do something in order to get a gift, it's not a gift. We've, if we have to perform for it, it's not a gift. It's something that we've earned or something we're being rewarded for. In fact, if we have to do anything other than this to get a gift, it's not a gift. It's a reward. It's pay. And we don't work for our gift. In fact, look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Maybe familiar to you. It says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Man, you ought to underline that. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. God just set this thing up so that none of us could ever point to anything we did and say, see that? That was the action right there that convinced God to give me salvation. See that right there? That was that attitude I demonstrated that time, and God said, man, you sure do deserve salvation. God set it up so that all we could do was receive it, accept it. We don't work for it. We simply receive and accept God's offer of salvation. There's a second thing that we can do with it, and that's pass it on. Now, that's counterintuitive, right? When we receive a gift, and I'm not talking about one that we don't like. Those are the ones we re-gift, right? I'm talking about a gift that we like. The last thing that we want to do is give it to somebody else. I mean, if we like it and we want it, we don't, I don't want to give it to you because then I don't have it. Then I don't have the benefit and the, and the enjoyment and the use of it. But eternal life is not like that. Eternal life is, is the gift that we cannot lose by giving it away. God doesn't give us eternal life just so that we can enjoy it and, and use it to get into heaven. God gives us eternal life so that we, in turn, can give it away to other people. It's, it's an illustration that is so old, it is cliché. But it got to be old and cliché because it's true. If we had the cure for cancer on a piece of paper, the cure for cancer, every single one of us would have no problem coming up with name after name after name of people that we know that we need to go share this with because they're experiencing cancer or someone in their family is, someone they love. It's touched their, their home. It's touched their family in some way. We wouldn't, we wouldn't fold it up and stick it in our pot. Well, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this because I might need this sometime and got it right here. No. We're going to go tell everybody, aren't we? 
We're going to go track down everybody that we know, and we're going to share this with them. You know, we'll put it on our Facebook status. If someone you know is affected by cancer, put this as your status for the next hour, or, or Jesus will be sad. And we'll go do that. We've got the, the antidote, not for cancer, but for death. We've got the antidote in our hands. Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek Church in the Chicago area. And he, he wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. And here's what he said. If you really believe in the redeeming, transforming power of God's presence in a person's life, then the single greatest gift you can give someone is an explanation of how to be rightly related to Him. Man, that's true. If we really believe that God wants to redeem and transform the lives of our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors and our classmates and our spouses and our children, if we truly believe that, we'll share it. I'm not saying you got to quit your job and go to Africa. Okay, that's, that's where we go. That's where we go when we think about, well, I really need to get serious about sharing this faith. God must be calling me to go be a missionary in some foreign country. We need missionaries right here. We need missionaries in this town, in this county. We need missionaries where you work. Some of you are going, yes, we do. So think about it. Man, if, if, if I didn't believe that redemption and transformation was possible, if I didn't believe that God's intended purpose for our lives and the lives of everyone we know is to have our lives changed and transformed by the love and grace and mercy of God, I would quit and go do something else. I can find another job. And if we believe in the powerful work and life-changing effect of being in a relationship with God, then why on earth would we ever show up here alone? Why on earth would we ever pass up an opportunity to invest our lives into the lives of other people? Let's take this simple example of a road. Life is a road. Life is a journey with a destination. And yet, let's use that to help us share our story and tell other people how they can be on the road that leads to eternal life. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.